Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. What's up, everybody? Man, we are so excited to have you with us for this weekend as we celebrate once again our Savior Jesus coming at you uh, from the roof of our building. Um, really cool opportunity we had. Last week we were in front of the building. This week we're on top of the building. Um, and we're going to utilize every part of this space in this season and moving forward. Um, but hey, we are praying for you, church. I know um, we're all going through this together, uh, going through this quarantine, uh, fighting this virus. And so for the time being, we're online. And what I love about this opportunity is that the church is not a building. And I think we all know that. Um, we all know the church isn't a building. In fact, we are the church. And so we can have church in our living rooms, um, in our homes, on our devices. Um, and so we're being the church right now. Today, we are kicking off an all new series called Asking for a Friend. And so what we've done in this is we've actually said, hey, send us your questions. We want to hit some of the topics that people are asking. And sometimes we feel uncomfortable asking ourselves, so we go, oh, I'm actually asking for a friend. And so today, um, we're going to jump in here, but before we do, um, I want to just lay out this whole series. So we're going to do four weeks um, in this series of asking for a friend. Week one, which I'm kicking off today, we're talking about why would a good God allow bad things to happen? So you're in for a treat today. This is one of the number one questions I get as a pastor. Number two, uh, next week, actually, Christy's going to be sharing. She's going to talk about how can I actually hear God's voice and know God's will for my life? Week three, is the Bible really God's word? Is it really the infallible, inerrant word of God? And then week four, what happens after I die? So we actually threw it out to you, let you guys send in some of your questions. During the last week, we're going to do a panel. Okay. So during the last week, we're actually going to do a panel, and we're going to be answering your questions online with a panel of our team. And so if you would like to send some of your questions in, right now, there's a link below. Click on that. Send us your questions. We would love um, to have those, and we'll be answering those. We'll be rapid-firing this. Um, this is coming up in a couple weeks. So we want to jump in here today, but I was thinking about how could we kick off this series with a bang, and I thought, what better way than with a game? All right, so I don't know if any pastors have done this online. I may be the first, but we're going to start with the game, all right? So here's what we're going to do. We're, they're going to throw up a picture right now. It's going to be a little blurred out, and little pieces of the picture are going to be revealed bit by bit, piece by piece, all right? So what I want you to do is when you figure out what it is, I want you to write it in the comments real quick, throw it on there. Or if you're in your living room, I want you to shout it out. Be the first one in your living room with your family to yell it out. If you're all by yourself, um, you can yell it out to yourself. Text somebody, all right? So here we go. They're going to start revealing it little by little. Here it goes. And uh, I want you to quick comment, yell it out. Let us know what it is. And uh, you'll be the unofficial winner. You don't win anything. But we're just excited that you're playing along with us. All right. So great job. You figured it out. Um, now it's all revealed. And the reason I wanted to start with that is because the title of my message as I answer this question of why would a good God allow bad things to happen, I titled this message, It's Only Part of the Picture. 
Because what I found with this question is that a lot of us are only seeing part of the picture. And how many know, like you guys just saw, when a, just a little piece of the picture is revealed, you don't actually know what it is. It takes time. You got to see the full picture till you can really be in the know. And it's the same way with this idea of answering this question. And so I'm going to do my best to dig into this question. This is a great one. It's one that I've wrestled with in my life. This isn't something that um, I actually haven't asked myself. So we got this question from a lot of you. And I just want to be honest, like I've asked this question. I've actually said to God, why would you do this? Or why would you allow this? Or why would this happen? And this is a question a lot of people are asking right now in this season with this virus. Like, why hasn't God intervened? Or why has God caused this? Or why is God even allowing this? So I was thinking about my wife and I. Um, see, I love to post Insta stories. I, I post them. That's on Instagram if you don't know. Um, I post Insta stories. Sometimes they're pictures. Sometimes they're videos. But my wife, without fail, every time I post an Insta story, and a picture, and it's in our house, she gets a little annoyed with me because she says, didn't you see that mess in the back? Or didn't you see that stuff on the ground? Or didn't you see like that there was a pile of that over there? And, and she's always concerned about, about perception, right? What people see. And I don't think about that because I'm just trying to capture great content, entertain the people, the masses. But she, as a, a three on the Enneagram, any of you that love Enneagram, you know what we're talking about here. As a three on the Enneagram, um, she puts a high priority on how people perceive her and see her. And I was thinking about that because she wants me to take Insta stories and, and pictures that hide part of the picture, right? That just show the good parts that don't show like the, the stuff in the sink, the pile of plates, the laundry on the floor. And I think a lot of us are living our lives like this, where we're even living our life and we only want to show part of the picture. We want to put on a good front. We want to show that we got it all together. And in this season, I just want to encourage you and tell you like, it's okay if you're not okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay that right now, maybe you're having a moment of despair or, or frustration or fear or anxiety. In the same way with God, I believe that he sees the big picture. We don't. You know, I just actually started a TikTok. Your boy is on TikTok. Go follow me. Um, I don't know what my TikTok name is. But I th think it's funny that when you post a TikTok like this video, I've had people come and they're like, man, this is so amazing. And I did it for my kids, all right? I'm gonna just be honest with you. Um, at least that's what I'm gonna claim. It wasn't for me at all. It was for my kids. And so I've been posting videos with them. And you know, you learn these choreographed dance moves on TikTok. And people have come and they're like, wow, that's so amazing. Like you guys are such great dancers. And it's funny because they didn't see, and you see all these amazing dancers on TikTok, they didn't see that it took 27 takes to get that one perfect TikTok that you finally upload and post and be like, oh, look what a great choreographed dancer, dancers our family is, you know? Why? Because it's only part of the picture. We only want to show the certain part of the picture. We only see a part of the picture. And I think this question is being asked and we're asking it out of a God that sits enthroned in heaven, a God that operates outside of the limitations of time like we do as human beings, a God that 
is the same yesterday, today, and forever that always was, always is, and always will be that exists outside of what we can perceive as human beings. He sees it all. Listen to me, church. He sees the whole picture, and that's why we can trust him in every situation. We can trust him in our suffering. And yet a lot of us are asking this question, and, and we want to judge God or, or get upset with God and mad at God, and I understand that because I've been there. But in reality, like, we only see a part of the picture. We only see a small piece of the puzzle. It's only part of the picture that we see. And so that is the best way that I can frame this message for you and this question for you. But I want to jump in here and I want to dig into, we're going to jump around God's word. I'm going to talk a little philosophy with you, a little theology with you. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, so let's go in here. But I think that people are asking this question, like, why would a good God allow bad things to happen, allow all the suffering in the world? And we throw things out like the Holocaust. How could God not intervene? We throw things out like this virus. We throw things out like child abuse. We throw things out like murderers and, and cancer and car accidents. There is so much suffering in our world. And we're asking this question is, why would God allow this? Why would a good God allow bad things to happen. Why wouldn't he come down and stop all of this? That's what really we're asking. Like we're crying out for a savior, save us. Just like they did with the palm branches a few weeks ago as we talked about Palm Sunday, they waved the branches, Hosanna, save us. We are crying the same thing. But I wanna, before I answer this question, um, I wanna really frame this because first we have to talk about the difference between moral evil and natural evil. And these are two very different things. You see, there's a difference between moral and natural evil. First, moral evil is, is explained by the fact that human beings commit evil against one another. So I just talked about some of those things. People lie, they cheat, they murder, they steal, they hurt, they abuse. Um, they do bad things to one another. This is moral evil. Now, this doesn't argue against Christianity but it instead proves the point that there is something very wrong with our human nature. There is something very wrong within us as human beings, and the Bible tells us this. Then there's natural evil. Now, natural evil are these things that aren't caused by human beings. And we ask this question, like, couldn't there be less suffering? Why doesn't God stop things like earthquakes and tsunamis and viruses and, and all these, you know, natural evil things that happen in this world? And again, this does tie into the broad explanation um, of the human predicament. Paradise has been lost due to human moral shortcomings. You see, when God created this earth, he had a plan for it to be paradise. His plan was for there to be no suffering or pain or hurt or even death. And yet we ruined that. Paradise was lost and it became a fallen world because of Eden, because of the first sin. Romans 8.28 actually tells us, we know, 8.22, excuse me, that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. It's telling us creation itself is groaning. Now, I wanted to frame this. This is the difference. There's moral evil. There's natural evil. Both of these things are at work. We have to frame this for us to really answer this question of why, why would a good God allow bad things to happen? 
So I got to be honest with you, we don't always understand the whys. And, and I don't always understand the whys of every certain tragedy or situation. But I can tell you this, we know who will carry us through it. We know who can carry us through every situation, every tra- tragedy. He actually promises us, and I want to read from Isaiah 43, 2 through 3. It says, and I'm reading, this is in the NIV. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. Now, does that tell us that we're not going to go through stuff? No, it actually says you're going to go through rivers and flames and, and waters. And that means suffering and tragedy and, and sickness and pain and death and all these things. And yet God is going to carry us through it. He's going to be with us through it all. So here's the two big questions within this one question. Because I think we ask this question of why would a good God allow bad things to happen? But there's really two big questions underneath that one. And it's this, could God intervene in suffering, number one? And number two, does God intervene in suffering? That's really what people are asking. Now, in order to answer that correctly, we have to look at the broader picture. So, I said it to you at the beginning, it's only part of the picture. We only see part of the picture. So what I want to do right now is I want to broaden the picture. So let's broaden the picture. Broadening the picture. Number one is we need to talk about free will. Much of the suffering in the world is caused by other human beings. This is the moral evil that I was talking about earlier. Free will causes suffering. A God that created us and gave us freedom to choose put us in a position where we have the ability to to bless or to curse, to bring suffering or to bring hope in life. Some of the suffering in the world is caused by natural evil. But much of it is caused by man's free will or moral evil. Now again, this was not God's original plan. Genesis 2.16 tells us in 17, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So what was going on? Adam and Eve were living in Eden. Perfection. They walked and talked with God, the Bible tells us. They weren't, there was no suffering, there was no pain. In fact, it wasn't even cold because they walked around butt naked all the time, all right? This was a perfect connection, relationship, world they were living in, and a perfect connection, relationship with God that they had. And yet he gave them free will, he gave them freedom because he didn't want to create robots. He wanted a people that would willingly worship him. And so he created them and gave them choice. And we know that they chose wrong. You see, freedom is something that we fight for in this country. But freedom is something that God created. And so we have to think about this idea of God intervening, which is what people ask, like, why doesn't God intervene in the suffering in this world? God intervening at every violation of morality essentially would negate the freedom with which he created us to have. And which with really gives us the souls that we have. Without freedom, we aren't and wouldn't be who we are. And so to broaden the picture, we have to talk about this idea of free will that God gave to us. And it's a gift. 
and what we do with it matters. Second, to broaden the picture, we've got to talk about the fact that our understanding is limited. And I know that's hard for us to hear because we think we know it all. Um, I've realized, though, the older I get, the less I know. I was actually reading about a philosopher uh, named Alvin Plantium. And Alvin tells the story, and this is a, a philosophical explanation that a lot of you who love philosophy are going to love. Um, he, he talks about this idea of a pup tent or a pop tent. And this story goes that he asked someone to go stick their head in this pop tent. And inside the tent are a bunch of puppies. And he says, stick your head inside the tent and tell me, do you see any St. Bernard's, fully grown St. Bernard's? And the person goes in, sticks their head in the tent. They see puppies. So they come out and say, no, I don't see any puppies uh, or any St. Bernard's. All I see is puppies. There's no St. Bernard's. So, so they ask him, so you would venture to say there are no St. Bernard's in the tent. Absolutely not. There are no St. Bernard's in the tent. All I see is puppies. No way. He goes on and he says, now I would like you to go in there and tell me if you see any noceums in the tent. Now, if you don't know what a noceum is, a noceum is a gnat that is so small you cannot see it with the naked eye. Not only that, but these gnats are so small, they can actually go through um, the, the mesh on a tent. That's how tiny they are. They can fit through the fabric of the mesh of a tent. And he tells them, now, can you stick your head in the tent and tell me, do you see any noceums? And the person sticks their head in the tent. They come out and say, no, I don't see any noceums. So would you venture to say there are no noceums in the tent? Absolutely not. There are no noceums in the tent. What does this mean? That just because you can't think of a good reason doesn't mean that one doesn't exist. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it isn't there. And I, I say that and I want to frame this with this idea that our understanding is limited. And so sometimes we think about something like the Holocaust and we go, how could God not intervene in this? How could God not stop this? Millions of Jews were killed. Well, just because you can't think of a reason doesn't mean that one doesn't exist. I think about the disciples in the storm and uh, Jesus is asleep in the bow or inside the boat and he's sleeping on a pillow, it actually tells us. And as he's sleeping on this pillow, the storm arises and, and the boat's being tossed to and fro and Jesus is just sleeping like a baby. And the disciples finally run down there and they shake him and they wake him. And their words to him are, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing? And I think that some of us are at this point in suffering or, or in our perspective when it comes to all the evil in the world and all the bad things happening in the world where we actually come to God and we say, God, why are you doing this to us? We actually believe God is causing it. And we begin to ask questions like, why is God punishing me? Especially those of us that believe in God. What did I do to deserve this from God? We, we say things like, if God is so good, why is he allowing this evil in my life? Then we even will venture as far to say, I'm angry with God. And I've been there, so I'm not judging anybody. Because listen, God is not afraid of your questions. 
He's not afraid of the fact that you express your emotions. That's why I love the book of Psalms because David just lays it all out there. Sometimes he's frustrated with God. Um, Sometimes he's crying out for help from God. He's saying, God, why aren't you there? I don't think any of this bothers God. But I think that the reason we ask this is because our understanding is limited. Because we don't see the big picture. And then we begin to adopt this God is against me mindset. And I want to tell you that the disciples, like, they even hear their responses assume that God is apathetic to their situation. Which, how I many you know, Jesus is asleep in the boat. He is not going to let them perish. And you need to hear this because some of you are going through a situation or you've had evil happen in your life. You've had suffering in your life. You think God is apathetic to you. He's apathetic to your situation. He doesn't care about what you're walking through. And I want to tell you, he cares. He sees you. He's with you. And he knows exactly where you are in that storm. And he's not going to abandon you. He's not going to let you sink. Psalm 112.7 tells us, He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm trusting in the Lord. This is a challenge to us. It says those that love the Lord are not afraid of bad news. Our heart is firm. We trust in the Lord. So listen, you may not understand why God would allow what he's allowing. You may not understand this virus. You may not understand suffering, maybe suffering you've walked through, but I want to tell you, and I want you to hear me, that just because you don't understand doesn't mean that God isn't real. It doesn't mean he isn't there. It doesn't mean he isn't faithful. It doesn't mean he's apathetic to you. It doesn't mean he's going to abandon you. It doesn't mean that he's not seeing you at this very moment. In fact, he may be closer to you than you even realize. And I would encourage you to keep going because you may be on the verge of the breakthrough that you're looking for. I would also say to you that what we perceive as suffering may actually be mercy. You know, I was thinking about it, and me as a parent, see, I I am with my kids right now a lot, all right? Coronavirus has uh, made us uh, homeschool parents and stay-at-home parents and work-from-home parents, and we do it all now. And uh, I was thinking about, man, what if people only saw me with my kids when I was disciplining them? Like, what if the only part of the picture they had of me as a parent was the discipline moments? Or what if the only picture people had of me as a parent, the only piece of the picture was when I gave my kids candy? Cause like today they asked me, they have Easter candy, like dad, can I have a bag of Skittles? And I was like, you know what, go ahead. I didn't tell my wife, but I said, go ahead, have a bag of Skittles. It was a small bag, mini bag. And I was thinking about what if that was the only piece of the picture that they saw? Well, they would probably think, I was a mean dad if they only saw me ever disciplining them. They'd probably say, oh, he's not, he's not a dad that cares very much and is looking out for their best interests if they only saw me giving them candy. In order to really judge me as a father, you got to see the full picture. And that's why I would encourage you that you read the full word of God. I have it here. Because you know what I've done for the last four years? I've read the Bible through in a year. And every year I do it in a different version just so it has a little different flavor to it. But can I tell you something? In me reading this Bible through, year after year I read it every day. You know what it does when I read this whole thing? It gives me the full picture of the nature of God. And what we do is we pick and choose and we take little pieces of this word and and then we, we say, oh, God's just a God that showers us with candy. Right? Or... God's just the God that rebukes and disciplines us. 
That's only a part of the picture. It's only a piece of the picture. We need the whole word of God. We need to read all of this because it paints the full nature of God. And he is a full, well-rounded father that wants the best for you. And that means sometimes he, he allows you to make bad choices and trip and fall so you learn to pick yourself up. Sometimes he disciplines you. Sometimes he loves on you and hugs you. Sometimes he rebukes you. Just like I do all those things as a father. So I would just encourage you, you got to read all of this. And what I found is that Christians who, who get caught in this mindset of, oh, God's only this way, or God only operates from this, you know, perspective, it's because they don't fully grasp the full nature of God, which is found in the full word of God. That's why we have to read this entire thing. I hope this helps you to broaden the picture. Look, we don't always understand. Our understanding is limited. Third, we're going to, we're going to broaden the picture by, by saying, look, God is intervening through us. You hear me, church? God wants to intervene through you. And so people ask this question. I say, why wouldn't God intervene? He does through you. He does through me. I mean, this actually should be encouraging to us that we have a, a purpose here on this earth. We're not here to just passively let life happen to us. No, we're here to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We're here to, to fulfill the purpose and the love and the hope that God has called us to usher into this world. We actually say all the time, we're here to bring heaven to earth. That's what the Bible tells us. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are heaven bringers, church. We are kingdom bringers, church. That's what we do. That's our responsibility. God intervenes every day on this earth through you, through his church. Oh man, I'm, I'm preaching. Some of you better be amening on the online, on the screens. God often works through us. So when people ask me like, where was God? You know what I would say? Well, he was there and he was there and he was there, he was working through his people. That's part of our purpose. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You were created for good works. You were created to end the suffering and to, and to minimize the suffering that we see on this earth. God's people raising children in a godly way. You know what we do? We are actually building life-giving families that ease suffering in this world when we're leading people and pointing people um, to how it looks to live a life that reflects this, his word. So we broaden the picture by understanding that God intervenes through us. And finally, we broaden the picture because God knows Suffering isn't the end. Let this broaden your picture fully. God knows that suffering isn't the end. Romans 8.18 says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What does the Bible tell us? You will suffer. And it says, consider it all joy, my brothers, because it's developing things in us. Perseverance, faith, hope. And then it says here, the sufferings that we experience on this earth are not worth comparing to the glory that is coming for us soon. 
This life is a mist, the Bible tells us. That means it's there and gone. I mean, I've been spitting out here because I've been trying to preach. And the mist is there and gone. You maybe saw it. You take a, a, a spray bottle, it's there and gone. That's our life here on this earth. It's short. But we have something coming, a glory that will be revealed in us that is eternal. And God understands. He knows that suffering isn't the end. God understands suffering because he experienced it himself. I want you to hear this as we close today. God understands suffering because he experienced it himself. He sent his son, Jesus, to suffer and die. And so whenever you begin to feel the, the weight of your suffering, know that you serve a savior and you have a savior that empathizes with your suffering because he himself suffered. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to be hurt. He knows what it's like to suffer. And he knows what it's like to die. And those of us that are listening to this don't know that yet. Jesus endured more suffering than probably any of us watching this ever have endured in our lives. The big question that we are going to answer today is why would a loving God not intervene? Why would a good God allow bad things to happen? Why would a loving God not intervene? And my answer to you is this. He did. My answer to you is this. He did through Jesus. He continues to intervene every day by extending his mercy and his grace to us. We have a God that intervenes. We serve a God that intervenes. He intervened through his son, Jesus, and he intervenes every day through us and through mercy and grace being poured out upon this earth. You see, we don't see the full picture, but we serve a God that does. Once God's intervention through Jesus becomes revelation to you, you can go through suffering with peace and trust in your heart. Let me say that again. Once God's intervention through Jesus becomes revelation to you, you can go through suffering with peace and trust in your heart. You see, we have to grasp the revelation of the suffering that Jesus went through because that suffering actually ushers in a future for us knowing that the, this present suffering is temporary. Do we serve a God that intervenes? Yes. He did through Jesus. He does through us. And I believe he's moving in ways that we don't even see. Why? Because we only see part of the picture. Last thing I want to say to you is I was preparing for this message. I knew it was coming. And last Friday, a friend of mine, 36 years old, his name was Craig. He had a, or has a 18 month old son, a five year old daughter, an amazing wife. He was a doctor at a children's hospital in Boston. In the middle of the night, he breathed his last breath. And I was caught off guard when I woke up last Friday and was met with a text and this reality that my friend who I knew when I lived on the East Coast and actually Christy and I were just there in November and we stayed the night at his house and his wife Erica's house, that he was gone in a moment. And I gotta be honest, I begin to ask this question. 
Like I was overcome with emotion thinking about this family and my friends. And I began to ask this question, like, God, why would you allow this? Like he was 36 years old. He was healthy and an amazing father. And he was making a difference in the world. And and, and he was doing so many things. Like, why would you allow this? And I began to ask this question myself. And you want to know what began to bring me peace and trust was knowing that I serve a God that tells me that this isn't the end. Knowing that I have peace in my heart because I know that we will see him again. I, I as the day went on, even, and I was able to text his wife, and um, over the last week, we've even talked to her a couple times, was seeing her faith that was unwavering in her Savior, Jesus Christ, in the midst of the most terrible, devastating, like, situation I could imagine for a family, for a wife, for children. And yet her faith has been unwavering. Why? Because she knows that this isn't the end. And so I want to just read this over you one more time. Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Will we suffer? Yes. Is God apathetic to it? No. Is God intervening? Yes, and he already has through his son, Jesus. And so I would tell you today, I would implore you, if you're listening to this message, if you have not responded to the gospel, the good news that Jesus came for you and died for you, and all you have to do is confess and believe in him, and you'll be saved. Today is the day to do it. We don't know when this life will end. And so I want to ask you right now, if that's you, you would pray this prayer with me, that you would invite Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord, your Savior, so that you know that this is not the end. Pray this with me, church. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Change me from the inside out. I'm nothing without you. I love you. I need you. And today, I surrender my heart fully to you as my Savior. I love you, Jesus, and I declare that you are God, you are Lord, that you died, but you rose again, and you sit enthroned in heaven. I love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed this prayer, this is the best decision you could ever make. In fact, I'm clapping here. Um, the angels in heaven are rejoicing. The Bible tells us our church family is rejoicing with you. Click the link below if you raised your hand, if you responded to Jesus Christ in your heart. We would love to pray with you, encourage you, connect with you um, after this. So please just uh, let us know that you did that, that you made this commitment to Jesus Christ. So hey, we're going to be answering some tough questions during this. Today I answered this question. I want to tell you, this is all, we only see part of the picture, but God sees it all. Why would a good God allow bad things to happen? Listen, we're trusting in a God that sees more than we see, that has a perspective that's wider than our perspective. And he's working even when we don't see it. He's moving even when we can't perceive it. So listen, trust in him, church. He's got us through this suffering. He's got us through every suffering, every valley, every mountaintop. He's right there alongside with us. We love you, church. We're praying for you. God bless you. We'll see you soon.
We hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.